Hello everybody, and welcome back to episode 5 of Scary Fucking Bedtime Stories. As always, I'm your host, Rebecca, and let's get into one of my other favorite classics. There will be a lot of classics, because I'm guessing a lot of you have already, well, hopefully, heard of some of these more famous, well-known creepypastas, so that instead of keeping your mind awake and active, listening to the amazing stories, that if you've heard them before, it's much easier to let your mind wander with a story, but in such a way that it will help you go to sleep. You won't be too excited about the things that are going to happen next, because you already know the story as well. It'll be easier to follow along subconsciously, allowing your mind to be at ease. As usual, we will be starting with the military breathing exercise. If you aren't familiar with that as of yet, We breathe in for four seconds, we hold for four seconds, and then we exhale for four seconds. If you are not currently going to bed and are just listening to stories as you go about your day, you may skip. I found out that I'm actually uh, a little over on the minute as I last thought in episode four, and probably three, but you may skip a minute and a half past this audio right now to skip the sleep exercise. Without further ado, lay down, get comfy, sleep on your side, get comfy on your side, on your back, get comfy on your back, etc. Close your eyes and relax your shoulders. Now, breathe in to three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, last time. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Now that we have gotten through the relaxation, allow your shoulders and muscles to become heavy and feel them sink into the bed. Now, let's begin. Post number one. September 7th, 2010. Okay, I need your help with this. This is not a copypasta. This is a long read, but I feel like my safety or well-being could very well depend on this. This is video game related, specifically Majora's Mask, and this is the creepiest shit that has ever happened to me in my entire life. 
Having said that, I recently moved into my dorm, and starting as a sophomore in college, and a friend of mine gave me his old Nintendo 64 to play. I was stoked, to say the least. I could finally play all of those old games of my youth that I hadn't touched in at least a decade. His Nintendo 64 came with one yellow controller and a rather shoddy copy of Super Smash Bros. And while beggars can't be choosers, needless to say, it didn't take long until I became bored of beating up level 9 CPUs. That weekend, I decided to drive around a few neighborhoods about 20 minutes or so off campus, hitting up the local garage sales, hoping to score on some good deals from ignorant parents. I ended up picking up a copy of Pokemon Stadium, Goldeneye, fuck yeah, F-Zero, and two other controllers for $2. Satisfied, I began to drive out of the neighborhood when one last house caught my attention. I still have no idea why it did. There were no cars there, and only one table was set up with random junk on it. But something sort of drew me there. I usually trust my gut on these things, so I got out of the car, and I was greeted by an old man. His outward appearance was, for lack of a better word, displeasing. It was odd. If you asked me to tell you why I thought he was displeasing, I couldn't really pinpoint anything. There was just something about him that put me on edge. I can't explain it. All I can tell you is that even if it wasn't in the middle of the afternoon and there were other people within shouting distance, I would not have even thought of approaching this man. He flashed a crooked smile at me and asked what I was looking for, and immediately I noticed that he must be blind in one of his eyes. His right eye had that glazed-over look about it. I forced myself to look to his left eye instead, trying not to offend, and asked him if he had any old video games. I was already wondering how I could politely excuse myself from the situation when he would tell me he had no idea what a video game was. But to my surprise, he said he had a few ones in an old box. He assured me he'd be back in a jiffy, and turned to head back to the garage. As I watched him hobble away, I couldn't help but notice what he was selling on this table. Littered across his table were rather peculiar paintings, various artworks that looked like ink blots that a psychiatrist might show you. Curious, I looked through them. It was obvious why no one was visiting this guy's garage sale. These weren't exactly aesthetically pleasing. As I came to the last one, for some reason, it looked almost like Majora's Mask, the same heart-shaped body with little spikes protruding outward. I initially thought that since I was secretly hoping to find that game at these garage sales, some Freudian bullshit was projecting itself into the ink blots. but given the events that happened afterward, I'm not so sure now. I should have asked the man about it. I wish I would have asked the man about it. After staring at the Majora-shaped blot, I looked up and the old man was suddenly there again, arm's length in front of me, smiling. I'll admit I jumped out of reflex, and I laughed nervously as he handed me a Nintendo 64 cartridge. It was a standard gray color, except that someone had written Majora on it in black permanent marker. I got butterflies in my stomach as I realized what a coincidence this was and asked him how much he wanted for it. The old man smiled at me and told me that I could have it for free. 
that it used to belong to a kid who was about my age that didn't live here anymore. There was something weird about how the man phrased that, but I didn't really pay any attention to it, to it then. I was too caught up in not only finding this game, but getting it for free. I reminded myself to be a bit skeptical since this looked like a pretty shady cartridge and there's no guarantee it would work. But then the optimist inside me interjected that maybe it was some kind of beta version or pirated version of the game and that was all I needed to be back on Cloud 9. I thanked the man and the man smiled at me and wished me well, saying, goodbye then. At least that's what it sounded like to me. All the way in the car ride home, I had a nagging doubt that the man had sent something else. My fears were confirmed when I booted up the game. To my surprise, it worked just fine. And there was one save file named simply Ben. Goodbye, Ben. He was saying goodbye, Ben. I felt bad for the man. Obviously a grandparent and obviously going senile. And I, for some reason or another, reminded him of his grandson, Ben. Out of curiosity, I looked at the save file. Eyeballing it, I could tell he was pretty far in the game. He had almost all of the masks and three-quarter remains of the boss. I remembered... I'm sorry. I noticed that he had used an owl statue to save his game. He was on day three in the Stone Tower Temple, and by the Stone Tower Temple with hardly an hour left before the moon would crash. I remember thinking that it was a shame that he had come so close to beating the game, but he never finished it. I made a new file named Link, out of tradition, and started the game, ready to relive my childhood. For such a shady-looking game cartridge, I was impressed at how smoothly it ran. Literally just like a retail copy of the game, save for a few minor hiccups here and there. Like textures being where they shouldn't be. Random flashes of cutscenes at odd intervals, but nothing too bad. However, the only thing that was a little unnerving was that at the time the NPCs would call me Link, and at other times they would call me Ben. I figured it was just a bug, a fluke in the programming causing our files to get mixed up or something. It did kind of creep me out though after a while, and it was around after I had beaten the Woodfall Temple that I regrettably went into the save files and deleted Ben. I had intended to preserve the file just out of respect for the game's original owner. It's not like I needed two files anyway. Hoping that that would solve the problem, it did and didn't. Now NPCs wouldn't call me anything. Where my name should be in the dialogue, there was just a blank space. My save file name was still called Link, though. Frustrated and with homework to do, I put the game down for a day. I started playing the game again last night, getting the lens of truth and working my way towards completing the Snowhead Temple. Now, some of you more hardcore Majora's Mask players know about the fourth day glitch. For those who don't, you can google it, but the gist of it is that right as the clock is about to hit zero, zero, zero minutes, zero seconds on the final day, you talk to the astronomer and look through the telescope. If you time it right, the countdown disappears, and you essentially have another day to finish whatever you were doing. Deciding to do the glitch to try and finish the Snowhead Temple, I happened to get it right on the first try, and the time counter at the bottom disappeared. However, when I pressed B to exit the telescope, instead of being greeted by the astronomer, 
I found myself in the Majora boss fight room at the end of the game, the trippy Boxton Arena. Staring at Skull Kid hovering above me, there was no sound, just him floating in the air above me, and the background music, which was regular for the area, but still creepy. Immediately, my palms began to sweat. This was definitely not normal. Skull Kid never appeared here. I tried moving around the area, and no matter where I went, Skull Kid would always be facing me, looking at me, not saying anything. Nothing would happen, though, and this kept up for around 60 seconds. I thought the game had bugged or something, but I was beginning to doubt that very much. I was about to reach for the reset button when text appeared on my screen. You're not sure why, but you apparently had a reservation. I instantly recognized that text. You get that message when you get the room key from Anju at the Stockpot Inn. But why was it playing here? I refused to entertain the notion that it was almost as if the game was trying to communicate with me. I started navigating the room again, testing to see if that was some sort of trigger that enabled me to interact with something here. But then I realized how stupid I was. To even think that someone could reprogram the game like this was absurd. Sure enough, 15 seconds later, another message appeared on the screen. And again, like the first one, it was already a pre-existing phrase. Go to the lair of the temple's boss? Yes or no? I paused for a second, contemplating what I should press and how the game would react, when I realized that I couldn't select no. Taking a deep breath, I pressed yes, and the screen faded to white, with the words, dawn of a new day, with a subtext of just lions beneath it. Where I was ported to filled me with the most intense sense of dread and impending fear I had ever experienced. The only way I can describe the way I felt here is having this feeling of inexplicable depression on a profound scale. I'm normally not a depressed person, but the way I felt here was a feeling that I didn't even knew existed. It was such a twisted, powerful presence that seemed to wash over me. I appeared in some kind of weird Twilight Zone version of Clock Town. I walked out of the clock tower, as you normally do when you start from day one, only to find that all of the inhabitants were gone. Usually, with the fourth day glitch, you can still find the guards and the dog that runs around outside the tower. This time, they were all gone. What replaced them was the ominous feeling that there was something out there, in the same area as me, and that it was watching me. I had four hearts to my name and the hero's bow, but at this point I wasn't even considered for my avatar. I felt that I personally was in some kind of danger. Perhaps the most chilling thing was the music. It was the song of healing, ripped straight from the game itself, but played in reverse. The music would get louder, building up so as if you should expect something to pop out at you, but nothing ever did, and the constant loop began to wear on my mental state. Every now and then, I would hear the faint laugh of the happy mask salesman in the background, just quiet enough so that I wasn't sure if I was just hearing things, but just loud enough to keep me determined to find him. I looked in all four zones of Clock Town, only to find nothing, no one. Textures were missing, 
West Glocktown had me walking on air. The entire area felt broken. Hopelessly broken. As the reverse song of healing repeated for what it must have been the 50th time, I just remember standing in the middle of South Clocktown, realizing I had never felt so alone in a video game before. As I walked through the ghost town, I didn't know whether it was a combination out of, of the out-of-place textures and the atmosphere and the haunting melody of the once peaceful and soothing song being butchered and distorted, but I was literally on the verge of tears, and I had no idea why. I hardly ever cry. Something had gripped me here, and this powerful sense of depression that was both foreign and crippling. I tried leaving Clocktown, but every time I attempted to zone out, the screen would fade to black, and I would just zone into another part of Clocktown. I tried playing my ocarina. I wanted to escape, and I did not want to be here. But every time I played the Song of Time or Song of Soaring, it would only say, Your notes echo far, but nothing happens. By this point, it was obvious the game didn't want me to leave, but I had no idea why it was keeping me here. I didn't want to go inside the buildings. I felt that it would be too, I would be too vulnerable there to whatever I was terrified of. I don't know why. But I came up with the idea that maybe if I drowned myself at the laundry pool, I could spawn somewhere else and leave this place. As I zoned in and ran towards the pool, that's when it happened. Link grabbed his head, and the screen flashed for a brief moment of the happy mask salesman smiling at me. Not Link. Me. With Skull Kid's screen playing in the background. And when the screen returned, I was staring at the Link statue from playing the song Elegy of Emptiness. I screamed as the thing just stared back at me with that haunting facial expression. I turned around and ran out back into South Clocktown. And to my horror, the fucking statue followed me. And the only way I can compare this is like the weeping angels from Doctor Who. Every so often, at random intervals, the animation would play of the statue appearing behind me. It was like the thing was chasing me, or... I don't even want to fucking say it. Haunting me. By this point, I was on the verge of hysterics, but not even once did the thought of turning off the console occur to me. I don't know why. I was so wrapped up in it. The terror felt all so real. I tried to shake the statue, but it would literally appear right behind me every single time. Link started to begin to make weird animations I would have never seen him done before. He would flail his arms around or spasm randomly, and the screen would cut to the happy mask salesman smiling again for a brief moment before I was face to face with that fucking statue again. I ended up running into the Swordmaster's dojo and ran to the back. I don't know why, but in my panic, I just wanted some kind of assurance that I'm not alone here. To my dismay, I found no one. But as I turned to leave, the statue cornered me in the cubby in the back. I tried attacking the statue with my sword, but to no avail. Confused and backed into a corner, I just stared at the statue, waiting for it to kill me. Suddenly, the screen flashed again to the happy mask salesman, and Link turned to, my, to face my screen. Standing upright, mirroring the statue looking at me along with his copy, literally staring at me.
Whatever was left of the fourth wall was completely shattered while I ran out of the dojo terrified. Suddenly the game warped me to an underground tunnel and the reverse song of healing queued up again as I was given a brief moment of rest before the statue started appearing behind me again, this time aggressively. I could only take a few steps before it would summon behind me again. I hurriedly made my way out of the tunnel and appeared in the southern clock town. As I ran aimlessly, in a sheer panic, suddenly, a redded scream, and the screen faded to black as dawn of a new day, and lines appeared again. The screen faded in, and I was standing on top of Clock Tower, with Skull Kid hovering over me again, silent. I looked up, and the moon was back, looming just meters above my head. But the Skull Kid just stared at me hauntingly with that fucking mask. A new song was playing. The Stone Tower Temple theme played in reverse. In some sort of desperate attempt, I equipped my bow and fired off a shot at the Skull Kid. And it actually hit him, and he played an animation of him reeling back. I fired again, and on the third arrow, a text box appeared saying, That won't do you any good. Hee <laughs> hee. As I was picked up off the ground, levitated upwards on my back, and then Link screamed as he burst into flames, instantly killing him. I jumped when this happened. I had never seen this move used by anyone in the game, and Skull Kid himself didn't have any moves. As the death screen played, my lifeless body still burning, the Skull Kid laughed, and the screen faded to black, only to have me reappear in the same place. I decided to charge him. But the same thing happened. Link's body was lifted off the ground by some unknown force, and he immediately burst into flames, again killing him. This time, during the death scene, a faint sound of the reverse Song of Healing could be heard. On my third and final try, I noticed that there was no music playing this time, and that there was an eerie silence. I remember that the original encounter with the Skull Kid, you were supposed to use the ocarina to either travel back in time or summon the giants. I attempted to play the Song of Time, but before I could hit the last note, Link's body once again horrifically exploded into flames, and he died. As the death screen neared its end, it began to chug, as if the cartridge was trying to process a lot of something. When the screen came to, it was the same scene as the first three times. Except this time, Link was lying on the ground, dead in a position I had never seen in the game before. His head tilted towards the camera, with Skull Kid floating above him. I couldn't move. I couldn't press any buttons. All I could do was just stare at Link's dead body. After around 30 seconds of this, the game simply fades out with the message, You've met a terrible fate, haven't you? Before kicking you out of the title screen. Upon getting back to the title screen and starting again, I noticed my save file was no longer there. Instead of Link, it was replaced with Your Turn. Your Turn had three hearts, zero masks, and no items. I selected Your Turn, and immediately when I did, I was returned to the clock tower rooftop scene of my Link dead and the Skull Kid hovering over with the Skull Kids laughing, looping again and again. I quickly hit the reset button, and when the game booted up again, there was one more file save added. Below 
Your Turn, entitled Ben. Ben's save file is right back where it was before I deleted it, at the Stone Tower Temple with the moon almost crashing. I turn the game off at this point. I'm not superstitious, but this is way too fucked up, even for me. I haven't played it at all today. Hell, I didn't even get any sleep last night. I kept hearing the reverse song of healing music in my head and just remembering the sense of dread I felt exploring Clocktown. I drove back to the old man's house today to ask him some questions with a buddy of mine. No way I was going there alone. Only to find that a for sale sign in front of in the front yard when I rang the doorbell, no one was home. So now I'm back here, writing down the rest of my thoughts and recording what happened. Sorry if some of this has grammatical errors and whatnot. I'm running on no sleep here. I'm terrified of this game. Even more so now that I relived it a second time, writing this all down. But I feel like there's still more to it than meets the eye. And that there's something calling me to investigate this further. I think Ben is something in this equation, but I don't know what. And if I could get a hold of the old man, then I would be able to find some answers. I need another day or so to recuperate before tackling this game again. It's already taken a toll on my sanity, I feel like. But next time I do this, I'm going to be recording my footage all the way through. The idea to record only came to me towards the end, so you see the last few minutes of what I saw, including Skull Kid and the Elegy statue. But it's on YouTube here. I'm going to stay in this thread for a little while longer before I fall asleep to answer any questions you guys might have or hopefully listen to your ideas or theories to help me shed some light into this or maybe things I should try to do. I think I'm going to try and play Ben's file tomorrow to see what happens. Maybe I was supposed to do that all along. I don't believe in paranormal shit, but this is a little fucked up. And maybe this Ben guy is just a really good hacker or programmer. I don't want to think about the alternatives if he isn't. That's the end of the copy-paste. I'm hoping that maybe this is some kind of running, running gag the developers had and that other people have gotten gag or hacked copies of the game like this. This just really scares me. Post number two, September 8th, 2010. I'm going to post what happens and link the video footage, but last night everything got too real for me. I think I'm done messing around with this. I passed out pretty much immediately after making that thread, but last night, that Elegy of Emptiness statue, I had to dream about it. I dreamt that it was following me in my dream, that I would be minding my own business when I'd feel my neck hair stand up on end. I would turn around that thing, that horrible, lifeless statue would be staring at me with those empty eyes right at me merely inches away. In my dream, I remember calling it Ben, and never before had I had a dream that I could remember so vividly. But the important thing is, I did get some sleep, I suppose. Today, putting off playing the game as long as I could, I drove back up to the neighborhood to see if the old man came back. As expected, the car was still gone and no one was home. As I was walking back to my car, the man next door mowing the grass killed the power to his lawnmower and asked me if I was looking for someone. I told him that I was looking to talk to the old man that lived here, to which he told me what I already knew. He was moving. Trying a different avenue, I asked if the old man had had any family or relatives I could talk to. 
I discovered that this old man had never been married, nor did he have any children or grandchildren through adoption. Starting to become worried, I asked one final question, one that I should have asked from the beginning. Who was Ben? The man's expression turned grim, and I learned that four doors down, around eight years ago, on April 23rd, the man informed me that it was the same day as his anniversary, that's how I knew the specific date. There was an accident with a young boy named Ben in the neighborhood. Shortly after his parents moved, and despite any further attempts to talk to the man to get more information, he wouldn't divulge anything else. I went back and started playing again. I loaded up the game and immediately I jumped at the title screen where the mask flies by. The sound that played was not the normal whoosh sound. It was something much more higher pitched. I pressed start, bracing for the worst, but just like two nights ago, the file's your turn and Ben were displayed. Truth be told, I looked at the Ben file earlier. It seems to fluctuate between displaying the owl save and not. I brought up the Ben file, hesitated for a moment, noticing that the stats were not the same as they original were two days ago. It seemed like he had already completed the Stone Tower Temple this time. Summoning my courage, I selected it. Immediately, I was thrust into complete chaos. Sure enough, I was outside Stone Tower Temple, but that's about all that was expected. The zone itself wasn't called Stone Tower Temple, but rather... Stone... S... T... Space... O space N space E. And immediately a dialogue box of complete gibberish that I couldn't make out greeted me. Link's body was distorted. His back was cocked violently to the side where his posture was permanently disfigured. Link's expression was dull, almost monotonous. He had an expression on his face that I didn't recognize before. It was a blank look, as if he was dead. As Link stood there, his body spasmed irregularly back and forth. I examined what had become of my avatar and noticed I had a C-button item that I had never seen before. Some kind of note, but pressing it did nothing. Sounds played back and forth that I didn't recognize from the game, almost demonic in nature, and there was some kind of high-pitched yip or some kind of laugh or something playing in the background. I had all of two minutes to take in the environment before another one of those fucking Elegy of Emptiness statues was summoned, and immediately after, I was cut into the dawn of a new day screen. Except this time, it was without the line subtext. I was a Deku scrub in Clocktown. The scene would normally play after the first time you traveled back in time. Tattle would say, What, what just happened? It's as, it's as if everything has... But instead of saying, start it over, she finished her remark in broken text as the laugh of the happy mask salesman played in the background. I was put back in control of my character, but from a fucked up camera angle. I was looking from behind the door to the clock tower, which my avatar ran around as a Deku scrub. Seeing as how I really had no place to go because I couldn't see anything, I begrudgingly went inside the door. 
There, I was greeted by the happy mask salesman who simply told me, You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? Before the screen whited out. I was in Termina Fields as a human again. I might as well not have been playing the same game anymore. I was being warped around, and there was no sign of a day clock or anything. I took a moment to get my bearings as I looked around the fields, and immediately I could tell that this was not normal. There were no enemies, and a twisted version of the Happy Mask Salesman's theme was playing. I decided to run towards Woodfall before I noticed a gathering of three figures off to the side, one of them being Epona. As I approached them, to my horror, I saw the Happy Mask Salesman, the Skull Kid, and the Elegy of Emptiness statue just standing there. I figured maybe they were bugged out, but by now I told myself that I should know better. Nevertheless, I approached them carefully and found that the Skull Kid was playing some kind of idle animation on loop. Same with Epona. And the Elegy of Emptiness statue was doing what it had been doing all along, just standing there eerily. It was the happy mask salesman that scared me more profoundly than the other two. He, too, was idle, wearing that shit-eating grin. But wherever I moved, his head slowly turned and followed me. I had not engaged in any dialogue with him, nor was I in combat with him. Yet his head still continued to follow my movements. Reminded of my first encounter with the Skull Kid on top of Clock Tower, I pulled out my ocarina, to which the game played the ding sound when you're supposed to play your ocarina, and tried a song I hadn't played yet. The Happy Mask Salesman own song, and the song that had been playing on loop back in day four. The Song of Healing. I finished playing the song, and as I did, an ear-piercing shriek blasted on my TV. The sky immediately started flashing. The Happy Mask Salesman's twisted theme song sped up, intensifying the fear inside of me, and Link exploded into flames and died. The three figures stayed lit up during my death screen as they watched my lifeless body burn. I can't describe to you how sudden and terrifying the transition from eerie to terror it is. You're going to have to watch the video if you want to see it firsthand. That same fear that caused me to lose sleep two days ago started to grip me again as I was met with the text, You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? For the third time. There has to be some kind of meaning behind that. I had little time to ponder as I was immediately given another small cutscene of transforming into Azora and now found myself in Great Temple Bay. Hesitant but curious to see what the game had in store for me, I slowly made my way towards the beach, where I found Epona. I wondered why the game had decided to put her here. Was the game implying that she was trying to get a drink? Unable to take the mask off, I decided that riding the steed wasn't the reason she was placed here. Suddenly, I realized that Epona kept neighing, and the way that she was angled made it look like she was trying to signal a point to me off in the distance. It was a hunch, but I dove into Great Bay and started swimming. Sure enough, I almost missed it. I found something at the bottom of the ocean. One last Elegy of Emptiness statue. 
I went down to examine it, and suddenly my Zora started doing a choking animation I had never seen Zora do before, which didn't even make sense because Zoras can breathe underwater. Regardless, my character choked to death and died. And again, the statue was the only thing that was highlighted in my death. I didn't respond this time. I was booted back to the main menu as if I restarted the console. The press start screen was before me. I knew the only reason why it would put me here is because the save files had changed again. Taking a deep breath, I pressed start. And I was right. The new save files told me about Ben. Now it made sense why the statue appeared when I tried to go into the laundry pool. The game must have anticipated how I would have tried to escape the day four clock town. The two saves files told me his fate. As I suspected, Ben was dead. He had drowned. The game obviously isn't through with me. It taunts me with the new save files. It wants me to keep playing. It wants me to go further. But I'm done with this shit. I'm not touching any more of the files. This is already way too horrifying for me, and I don't even believe in the paranormal. But I'm running out of explanations. Why would someone send me this message? I don't understand it. I just get too depressed thinking about this. The footage is up here for those who want to see it and try and analyze it. Maybe there's some kind of coded message in the gibberish or something symbolic in what I went through. I'm too emotionally and mentally drained to fuck with it anymore. And we're going to end episode 5 there because this is quite a long story. Hopefully all of you trying to go to bed have been able to fall asleep and hopefully anyone not trying to go to bed is a little creeped out. I'll be back very shortly with a part two containing the next two or more posts from the story. We'll see if we can finish it then. Thank you all for listening. As usual, you can find the link to the story in the description to this episode. And I'll love to see you again. If you haven't been lulled off to sleep, you can listen to the next episode for part two. Unless that's not out yet. Then you may go listen to another episode. And have a great night. Thank you all for listening.